0: G'day, welcome back to Simply Complicated, the podcast. I am your host, Katie Dean, but I'm probably guessing that you guessed that by now. I have no idea what number this is um, because I really don't think it's that important. But anyway, I have a banger episode coming for you. And I, yes, it's true. I think all my guests are great, but I had so much fun recording this with Amy Malloy. Author, editor, mom, wife, all-round badass legend, and we dive into PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder and so many other things. Like honestly, I really think you're going to love it. Amy Malloy, amazing, talented writer, author, editor, mama to three, wife to one. What a ride. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to be chatting today. (laughs) Thank you so much. We got there. We always, I don't know how many times we have tech difficulties with guests and things, but you handled it like a boss and we're here trying a new platform. So I'm stoked for (laughs) us. I don't think I ever do a
1: podcast interview without that moment of panic. <laughs> I
0: know. That's, like, that's what I said. Some planet is obviously fucking with us for sure. But anyway, I we're know. Right. so Amy, how many books have you actually written? Cause I've, I've read the world is a nice place and I <laughs> loved it, but there's definitely more of them. So I, oh, and I've got your children's book as well.
1: Yes. So I've written, uh, this sounds a really weird comment, but I, I, I don't know how many it is now. I think it's about 16 or 17, but a lot of those are ghostwritten for other people. So there's um, four under my own name and then a whole heap for other people that I write for that um, some of them you will never know that I wrote them Um, and some of them, you know, some of them I worked on as an editor, um, Mm -hmm. but four
0: as Amy Malloy's. Crazy. Because, yeah. yeah, we have the Recycling Your Feelings book here and the boys have it in their room, which was amazing. And it's so important. Yeah. I've got a really fiery and explosive um, six-year-old. So he that's been really beneficial for us. So I've loved that. So thank you for creating that. Um your path has been wild, like some big loves, big losses, lots of battles that leave scars. So can you talk us through a few of the big life curves that have led you to here? Because we're going to be talking about PTSD um, mm-hmm. primarily today. So can you give us like the podcast bullet point, whoa version of your story so far?
1: Sure. Well, the big one that I kind of... Um became known for as a writer, was that I was widowed when I was 23. Um, You've probably heard me talk about it. If you know anything about my story, um, I married my first husband knowing that he had um, just months to live. He had um, skin cancer, which then became everything cancer um, and finally a brain tumor. And when, on our wedding day, we knew that we had at that point, just a few weeks left, and it ended up being three weeks left. Um, And then I obviously found myself being a 23 year old widow, thrust back onto the dating scene. Um, And I ended up writing my first book, my memoir about that. And that was kind of what um, surprisingly kickstarted my career as a writer, and especially kind of a writer of pretty uncensored material and those kind of uncomfortable truths that we can all relate to, but some of us, you know, don't really want to talk about. Um, And for me, that was, you know, coping with grief by being really promiscuous. Um, It was really a memoir about sex and loss and grief and love and um, starting again. And yeah, that was what really began my career as a journalist and author and brought me all the way up to where I am today. Um, And then a whole heap of other challenges in there, you know, some big, some Mm -hmm. small. My um, dad was paralyzed um, when I was 17 from um, Hodgkin's lymphoma type of cancer. He um, went to bed one night, totally, well, we thought totally healthy and fit and um, woke up the next day unable to walk where a tumor had grown around his spine and I was 17. So yeah, so I was just like, and now, I mean, at the time, I I was seventeen and thought I was a grown up, and now that I'm a mama and I'm like, in my mid thirties, I'm like, oh my god, I was a kid, um, you yeah. know, holding my dad up and pushing his wheelchair around and holding him up while he went to the toilet and being a carer alongside my mom and my sister, and I'm like, oh my
0: gosh, wow, that was big, <laughs> huge, and so many things stay with us and shift when we especially as children have to become the carers for our parents like oh yeah absolutely
1: and it's only now where I've learned more and I've you know qualified in counseling and I've done lots of um, more scientific research through my work as a journalist I really understand how your brain doesn't you know it's not fully formed until into your mid-20s so when you have a trauma that young of any kind Um, oh my gosh that stays with you and there's really no way that you're going to get away completely unscathed with something like that Um, which of course leads us all the way forward to our PTSD conversations we can talk about yeah but yeah I mean anything like that it doesn't have to be anything that huge Um, anything that really is personality and life-forming for us in those younger years they just have such an impact.
0: And I don't, we don't realize that. And I was joking around this morning because it's book week. I don't know whether you're listening to this in the future or not. Um, (laughs) Whoever's listening. Um, But today was book week and I rocked up with my three-year-old to daycare. And he was the only one not in a costume because that's, I just, (laughs) I totally forgot. I blanked. I didn't even think that it would be a thing in daycare and his little face. And he was just like so confused and I walked out and was obviously messaging my friend going, Oh my God, I've totally dropped the ball again. And she's like, it'll be okay. And I was like, you know what? He's going to be in therapy for so many things. Like if for sure, this probably is not going to be one of the major ones because we're all responding and um, navigating so many of these things, whether they're big or small for the rest of our life. Like it's all programming, right? Oh,
1: absolutely. And, and, Like I said, now that I am a mum, I am much more compassionate and empathetic about, you know, not having the attitude of like, oh, my parents fucked me up. Um, Because, you know, I've definitely at certain points in my life have like, we all do have pointed a finger at my childhood for like everything that I'm dealing with as an adult um and being like oh why couldn't you have saved me from that and of course then we have kids and we realize you know you can't and there's certain things like your dad getting cancer that is not in their control (laughs) yes um but yeah I mean in a on one hand it is scary because there is so much out of our control but also you know I have always said that you know, all of those things that happened have enabled me to like walk out of it with so many coping mechanisms and such a toolkit for emotional resilience that I wouldn't have had if that wasn't the case.
0: Resilience has got to be one of the most underrated character traits that I think that if we all gave a little bit more airtime and respect to it, I think, you know, we would feel so much better within ourselves because there's that whole notion of protecting our children from everything. This is massive, this generation. But Glennon Doyle says it in her book that it shouldn't be protect them, you know, at all costs and stop them from experiencing pain, but rather let them experience it all, but be near. And oh, I was like, oh, absolutely. I love that. That also, I'm totally down with that philosophy. But let's talk PTSD. So that is post traumatic stress disorder. And you have just listed just two of many reasons why that is something that you experience very much in your now. So what is it like living with that, you know, under that umbrella of what that is? Sure, well,
1: I have pretty specific kind of um, illness-related PTSD for obvious reasons. Um, You know, obviously having the experience of seeing, my dad did survive, um, but it took him probably seven years of pretty horrific treatment to come out the other side. Um, and my husband obviously didn't survive and um, experiencing those things at a young age definitely have stayed with me and will stay with me forever but obviously as I've got older I've learned how to manage them more. Um, I have you know I talked to a lot of people with different degrees of PTSD and it really can be related to anything you know there was this preconception years and years ago that like you had to be in the army or in some kind of emergency um, services and that's how you got PTSD from some some kind of warlike event but it really is anything that just like you know causes you trauma and that's different mm-hmm. for everyone you know what causes one person trauma the other might not cause someone else trauma um, but for me specifically it was just getting really close and uncomfortable with death um, and the fact that you know illness can strike us at any time and sometimes You know, even though you want to positively think your way out of it, that might not be possible. So um, the good thing is that, you know, my dad survived against all odds, a real miracle recovery. And so when my husband was diagnosed, um, we were very much like, no, you can do this. Like, look, we have this amazing example of someone overcoming cancer. We've just got to be positive and we can overcome this. And I think at a really early age, it was my first lesson that sometimes that isn't enough. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a a scary prospect that, you know, you can can try really hard and you can pray really hard and you can smile really hard, but sometimes that still isn't enough and the worst thing's going to happen. And so carrying that forward in my life, I think I've said it a lot of times in my 20s, like I knew too much, I'd seen too much about you know the worst day of your life and how that can look um and so little things like when my friends were dating or talking about having kids and they just seemed to be able to talk about it as if it was just a given Oh, you know I'm going to meet him and then we're going to marry and we're going to be together forever and then I'm going to want kids and I'm going to have kids and all the time I'm like how can you be so sure what if you meet him and then he dies what if you have kids and then this happens like I think I just had my eyes open at a very young age that like shit happens. Um, And so it was finding a way to walk through life, being able to still be light and bright and hopeful whilst also carrying that truth around with you too. Um, And that's what a lot of my PTSD is about. It's kind of really becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable truth that this could all fall apart tomorrow
0: oh so like that is a beautiful gift to have in itself because i'm sure that um that gives you the gratitude for everything yes. but that notion of having the rug ripped out from under you that's a hard thing to be able to balance so I totally can... and anyone knows
1: like you know like you know if you mm. meet someone getting a relationship again you just can't have that naive and blissfully wonderful thought of like oh this is just going to work because we love each other like yeah. sometimes even if you yeah. you know it's um, it's it's just that and it does you're totally right it's every reason that I love life and sees life and every achievement I have in my life um, is because I know that you know it's the reason why I've like got so far in my career and fallen in love again and got three beautiful kids and um you know move countries to come to australia in the first place but of course there's a flip side that you have to also
0: deal with that shadow side of it as well so is um ptsd something that needs to be diagnosed or is it on a spectrum that we can all sort of acknowledge within ourselves or i think both like my mine has been diagnosed
1: um And I will, of course, with the caveat, always say that if you feel like, you know, I'm a big believer in therapy and professional help. And so there's definitely a degree of PTSD where, um, you know, you do need to seek help. But in as to a lesser degree, I think we probably all have it to a, in a sense, for me, it's just those triggers, you know, those moments where just something triggers you, it might be a sight, a smell, someone's comment um way that someone reacts to you and you just feel your you know that you're just not reacting in a way that is um equal to what has just happened like you can feel yourself you're like reacting double the strength of this to what somebody else might um so for me it's like if my husband has any kind of illness like even a sore throat like a, a sore neck like instead of kind of just taking that for what it is, I will, if I don't keep on top of it, just spiral. And I will literally have like, planned out the next 10 years of my life without him and how how I'm going to recover when he's not here anymore and that will happen in the space of like four and a half minutes so <laughs> so you're busy whereas, then. You know, no. <laughs> oh no um but that's and that and that's doesn't ha- thank goodness like that doesn't happen like I really keep on top of it and that's the good thing like it's not doesn't have to be something that like completely overshadows you um but that is because I put the work in to you know to kind of Put logic around it to help me to understand it but again yeah it could be anything that just like take flashes you right back to the past like I remember seeing um the video that you did on Instagram when you were crying that day yeah I can remember what had happened yes <laughs> yeah I
0: remember and
1: I, yeah mom's and like that, that was a different
0: way to go I was like well <laughs> thanks but I like, love
1: that because I I don't even remember what had happened, but you were crying and I could just see that probably what had happened wasn't proportionate to the reaction that you were having, but something had just triggered you and just, um, you know, just hit that fragile spot that we all had Mm
0: -hmm. and just,
1: you know, pulled the legs out from under you. And that's how I think PTSD feels to me.
0: Totally. And it is all about those triggers. And that's exactly like I had my little heart broken, um, and that's what, and it wasn't even a big anything, but it was that core belief that um, I'd been doing the work around that I am not enough and I will not be chosen and all of that. That I have in my adult life looked back and traced back to what, um, to the place where I took that on at four years old. And that has been apparent in so many different areas of my life. Um, and when that's triggered, um, the, it just the, it's so raw. And but every time we stop and acknowledge and process it as an adult from a childhood wound and meet that with compassion, then it starts to lose a little more of its sting. You know, I think it's. Um, the the response to our triggers can change. And when you were, um, I saw a quote from, I don't know who it was now because I love me some quotes, but it was with regards to our triggers that if it's hysterical, it's historical. So in terms mm. of if that response within ourselves from a trigger, a person or like a basically a response, if that response within ourselves feels overwhelming and exaggerated, like you mentioned, and just, not indicative indicative is that a word indicating you got it (laughs) Um, oh my gosh um of the actual like cause versus effect then you know that this is actually something from your past and it's historical that has come to surface so it's old programming and then you can treat it and meet it appropriately Mm. I love that.
1: Absolutely. And for me, a lot of it comes back to, I know you're into this topic too, um, attachment theory and my style of attachment mm-hmm. from being a child, which um, is, oh, just love it so much. Just learning about that has helped me so much to understand my responses to things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, from my childhood, have quite like an unstable attachment um, of conditioning that I don't really Trust the relationships in my life that much, even though I know on paper that they are like amazing and for keeps. Like, I still have those trigger moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, it's all gonna end. Um, and so, just little things. My husband, who has super stable attachment, just so stable, this blissful upbringing, <laughs> um, he can quite happily go to sleep on an argument. Like, it's not even that he's like worried or bringing a grudge forward. Like, if we've had an argument, he'd just be like, okay, let's just go to sleep. just like and he's fine and like he doesn't worry that like I'll be gone in the morning or that signals the end of our relationship He's just like we argued like we're not going anywhere. We're both tired. Let's just go to sleep. We're cool And I'm like, oh my god, we're over Yes (laughs) I need to talk it out. How am I gonna sleep? What if you're not here when I wake up? Like what if your heart stops beating in the night? Like I literally can just feel like hysterical like you were saying Mm -hmm. um and when you understand where that's coming from and you can laugh about it. Like these are the moments where you have to just, you know, stop, look at each other, realize how different your upbringings have been and just say, okay, we're never going to understand each other on this point, but actually like we're fine. It's just, yeah. Our historical
0: triggers are coming up at this moment. It's madness. Like honestly, (laughs) the human brain and the way that we process things are so like I watch it within my friendship groups and everything as well. The, you know, the way that we all respond to different things and it's, yeah, we're all so different, but that the fact that you can meet each other where you are and not judge each other for it is a really special bond to have. So how do you handle your triggers these days? Like when you're, mm-hmm. when you feel like for me that when it comes, I get hot. Like I know it's like a real rush of like, I'm like that's it's always my body tells me before my mind realizes what's going on but it's that mm. elevator whoosh you know like that st- my stomach goes up and my skin feels like it's on fire tends to be that oh we're not in we've just lost all sense of you know um consciousness here in the world you are somewhere else right now and then it's that fight <laughs> or flight so how do you handle yours and what does that feel like for you when you start to spiral? Mm-hmm. Well, because mine is quite linked to my
1: relationship, so my poor husband. <laughs> it's often within, it's often something with us. So, mm-hmm. and of, you know, again, that comes back to, you know, loss and grief and having a relationship ripped apart when you're so young. Um, so often it will be in some kind of conversation that we're having. Um, and the same as you like I I just want to run out the door like I want to be that cartoon character who's like running through a playing like a glass window and just smashing out the other side like that is the energy in my body I'm like I need to get out of here right now and I have a real like fleeing mentality as well with it traditionally Um, which is probably how I ended up being in Australia in the first place Um, But obviously not very conducive to a long-term marriage and kids. So I've had to really learn how to, like, hold that energy without running away from everyone that I love, Um, which is a tricky thing to do but so rewarding when you start to kind of find a way to do it. Um, A lot of ours is, like, putting a pause between my response and like my emotional response and how I react to it. And so when I have that feeling bubbling up inside me, rather than like, you know, even talking about it or crying about it, or, you know, saying to my husband, like, you know, what's wrong with us? What's happening? Why why do I feel this way? We need to talk about it, which is obviously being a communicator for a living. Like I've always been very big on like, let's hash it out. Let's talk it out. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, when I talk, about a topic in that state, um, it's not my truth, it's just my fear talking. And so it's really pointless to even discuss it, I find, because I end up just saying a load of stuff that I don't even mean. Um, and it's then we so have to helpful. circle back to it, you know, yeah. five hours later and undo everything that I've said. Um, so for me and my partner, we we literally put a pin in it, and that involves me normally like going and have a shower um it sounds awful but literally like sobbing in the shower um just to contain it without needing to talk about it like I need that energy to come out of me there's no point telling me like you know just be fine or just sit with it like I need it out of me um and so a lot of it is like standing in the shower crying my eyes out and then knowing that like we put something in our calendar because we're millennials and we're both so busy so literally, like, an iCal notification will come into my calendar with, um, like, me and my husband, will be my husband or I saying, like, debrief at nine o'clock tonight. And then we sit down, like, four hours later, and we talk about what's happened. But it's all about putting a pause, so we're not talking about it in that really adrenaline, like, panic station situation. Because we've just learned from experience, it just doesn't pay for us, personally.
0: No, I don't know any, like it's that, well, it's, you know, it's that fight or flight response that's, that's often triggered, which it absolutely makes sense why you came to Australia, because I know when it feels, if I feel like that and I'm not paying attention, I'm just like going with it. I'm like, I've got to sell the house. We've got to move to Byron. I to oh. you know, like everything's like drastic catastrophic, big lifestyle changes. Whereas what I probably needed was a glass of water and just, or a piece of toast to just
1: like literally once every six months, I'm like, we need to sell the house. We need to move countries. We need to do this. I need to change my careers. Like we literally like, There's all I can hear my baby crying in the background. Oh, do you need to go and get them? (laughs) No, she's in safe hands.
0: Oh, okay, great. That is handy. Yeah,
1: so every now and again I do have that response. And thank goodness um, I don't act on it because I'm older and a little bit wiser. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I have done in the past. um, And it's ended in, you know, unhealthy relationships and. Unhealthy addictions and choices that weren't good for me because I made them in a fear state, and I think so. Everything I do now, when I'm triggered, is about like taking a breath, having a pause, and just not making a decision from that headspace because it's not good for me. (laughs) And now it's not just me. You know, now I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old and a four-month-old and an amazing husband, and it's not good for any of us and probably like most women really I have learned that my emotional state is a barometer for the entire family like if I'm happy my husband's happy if I'm happy my kids are happy Mm -hmm. and so I can't be this like up and down like triggered reactive like person anymore that I could get away with being when I was younger and single I just I have to take responsibility for not Using that shit in my past as a reason to just, you know, flake out whenever I want to and then go, oh, but it's my PTSD speaking. Like, I can't Um, do that anymore. So I really have to,
0: like, take responsibility for it now. And so once, like, I know what supported me, and I know I do a lot of work with clients around this is. And we hear people, I know I get so many messages, like when we talk about the work, people are like, what the fuck is this work that everyone speaks of? Where is it? And it's like, well, it's different for everyone. But when you have come back down and grounded into like that wave has passed, that wave of reactive emotion has passed, you can get like start to get clear and get curious with why that come up for you. And it's never just the first it's like well like why did that come up for me why did i just feel so strongly about that and it's not because sharon said something because that's our first thing and we're like oh okay well sharon said this yeah but why did that have an effect on you and then Mm -hmm. why did that like go reverse engineer it two or three more steps until you get to the underlying thing. So it was like, well, Sharon said this. Well, of course, Sharon's nosy ass, but what if's That that mattered to me because that reminded me of that time in a school play where I was embarrassed and whatever. And then Mm -hmm. it goes back and then, then you can understand it and you realize that you're responding or reacting from a place. That's how we get that inner child work. That's how we go back and find out where the seed is that grew this weed of monumental proportions and we can wrap it up differently and respond differently it's not about expecting a life with no triggers and never experiencing that fear again it's about learning to um live life alongside those triggers and shortening the waves wouldn't you think absolutely and the thing
1: the sentence that I have used a lot over the years, and it might seem really oversimplified, but it genuinely works for me as I say, um, is this my truth or is it an old memory? And I just ask myself that over and over again, like, is this my truth or is it an old memory? And most of the time, as you can imagine, it is an old memory for me. I'm like, this mm-hmm. isn't my truth. Or like, look at the evidence, you know, literally sit down. Like if I'm sitting here being like, oh like this is going to happen to my husband and like what is the evidence of that and what is more likely to be true um so I don't have this anymore thankfully but when we first started dating like if he was an hour late home from work or he didn't answer his phone or he didn't you know reply to a text message to me for a while um I would literally be like he's been in a car crash this has happened it's all over blah 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 and I'd have to be there and be yeah. like, what is more likely to be true? Okay, he hasn't got his phone charger. Um, he's always late home from work. You know, he's gone for a pint with his mate. I'm so English. What's up for a schooner with his <laughs> mate? <laughs> <For laughs> um, you know, what is more likely to be true? And, you know, facing the facts as well that, yes, he may have been in a car crash. Like, that is a truth that could be likely. But what is more likely? And just really kind of using logic to, like, ground yourself
0: back from that edge of panic that you're on Mm -hmm. Um, that's been so useful for me over the years that's amazing so um, well that just answers my next question I was like going to ask you what has been your biggest like tool in your support like toolbox that um, has helped you navigate but I think that you've just answered that one so beautifully yeah I think that really
1: really helps me because Like some of our fears are really logical, but some of them are not. And some of them are really a mixture of all of it. Um, And I also found, you know, some, I really found that picking your audience about who you discuss this stuff with. So I have some really amazing people in my life, you included, that are fantastic Mm -hmm. to talk to about this stuff. And I do have some people in my life that are not fantastic to talk to, who kind of without even meaning to, do feed the drama um, and do kind of want to talk about the past a lot more than I want to. Um, So, you know, yeah, all this stuff might be linked to like the stuff that happened in my early 20s and beyond that. But that doesn't mean I want to like talk about every moment that happened in the last year of my husband's life or that I need to do that to move forward. And so, you know, my current husband, he... Knows very little, obviously, he knows that I was widowed, but he really knows very little about the details. He's never asked every now and again. I will like come out with a bit more information if it's relevant. Like when we were getting married, suddenly I was telling him a little bit more about my first marriage, but he's never felt the need to like ask me a million questions or really get overly involved in it. And that has been actually really healing for me. And when I need to do that, I speak to my mom or I speak to my sister and people that were there. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't need to explain everything too, cause they lived it with me. Um, and I just think picking your audience about who you reminisce with um, and just making sure, like you want to come away from those conversations feeling better. And I've yeah. discussed my past with people before and I come away feeling worse. And so I just, I don't think that's what should happen. If, if it's a healthy conversation with someone who helps you heal, you should walk away feeling even just like 1% lighter um, certainly not going in the other direction.
0: That's so important. And you are doing so much beautiful work and creating so many resources that are, that can and do support not only our little people, but us, you know, adults who are, well, I'm still waiting for the adults to show up, but, um, (laughs) you know, like, in through so many different ways like you've got your book and you've got now you've created a podcast can you please tell us about that because I know it's not just like it's not solely you there's more people mm-hmm. involved and I'm so excited to dive into it can you fill us in on what your podcast yes is and I where we love really to find it
1: so so thrilled because like I've been talking about mindfulness for decades because during my dad's cancer he, hilariously because he is this this like cockney londoner atheist never believed in anything and during his cancer journey for want of a better word he um, basically began to practice buddhism and went down this super spiritual path he never talks about it he's really humble and quiet about it But he has like crystals around his neck, he has a lot of healing and Reiki and he just um, and actually it was a lot of it was linked to a trauma from his childhood that he carried around until his mid 50s before confronting. Um, And so they began, my parents began to introduce me to mindfulness and meditation and Buddhism and everything in that space in my early 20s, which I'm super grateful about. Um, and then I began to pitch it to editors as a young journalist and no one <laughs> gave a shit. <laughs> Before it was sexy. like, Where, the like This was yeah. when like, I, like um, therapy was really trendy. You know, everyone wanted a therapist, but you know, to talk about like daily, constant, like you said, work that we need to do. Like anytime I would pitch this idea to an editor, they would just be like, you know, no one cares why that's not mainstream. And like, who really wants to, you know, meditate every day? Um, which is poo, probably. true, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, fast forward, you know, eight or so years, and Spotify um, and Novet Entertainment, who are the Australian um, media company, came to me and asked me if I'd be interested in writing a twice daily mindfulness podcast. But pod, they call it um, Mindfulness for the Rest of Us. So it's super like cringe-free, no-arming, practical, real-life, real-talk techniques for, you know, giving you mental clarity, giving you emotional energy, um, helping you to forgive your week, wind down at the end of the night. And we're tackling really great topics. I mean, like how to deal with FOMO mindfully, how to deal with PMS mindfully, like how to stop... um, like doom scrolling on your phone and, and all of these real kind of modern day mindful topics and really simple techniques for how to kind of release the pressure that we're all feeling, especially in the middle of a pandemic. So yeah, it's on twice a day, wherever you get your podcast, it's called oh. The Space and it's voiced by Casey Donovan, um, the singer who has a beautiful voice um and yeah you can tap into it twice a day once in the morning to rev you up and once in the evening to wind you back down and then a bonus episode on a saturday oh my goodness and and what's it called the space the space Um, yeah if you search on whatever you use for your potties for the space or search amy Malloy, um then it will come up and you can subscribe it's been so good and where can we get your books you can get them on booktopia is the easiest thing amazon my website amymalloy.com.au. literally wherever books are sold pretty much um and so yeah my most recent book is the world is a nice place and so that's really kind of my recovery journey from um, my early 20s onwards and then my kitty book is um how to recycle your feelings um, written for my very emotional, little sensitive, little two-year-old, <laughs> who um, is my absolute muse and tests me in every way and breaks my heart on a daily occasion when I drop him off at daycare with all his
0: Aww.
1: great big feelings. <laughs> all the big feelings. Oh, those big feeling babies! I tell you. <laughs> oh. I, yeah,
0: I'm right there with you with that one. Except, yeah. yeah,
1: that's really practical and like imaginative um, tools for kids um, age two and up to just help them to cope with those big feelings that, you know, we can't stop them from having, but we can hopefully help them to process and also know that they're okay. You know, the whole um, point of um, it is knowing that like there is no bad feeling.
0: We just, um, you know,
1: don't want them to, to overshadow our lives too much.
0: That's it. I love that so much. And there's so like, and to any of the parents who are listening here, I've been doing the feel like it can feel like such a waste of time when they're little. Right. And you're banging on about, you know, all feelings are fulfilling and there's nothing, you know, or like you're, you know, they're big feelings. They're free to express them. Let's like name it and to tame it and let's name mm. it. And so helping them with all of this work, and it can feel like you're barking up the wrong tree. And then one day, the, all that work that you've done and all that language and all those conversations will be so... It'll all just click for them. And they'll be able to communicate with you so much easier. They, it'll all, It's like a long game, right? It's. Like, mm, and I think also like when
1: you're a an, an, um, woman or a man like us... And we're trying to accept our feelings because we're also still on a journey and it's still working through a process. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it, like, I heard someone, I don't know who, say that, like, when you're in a relationship in front of your kids, like, if they see you argue, they also need to see you make up. So, don't, if you argue in front of them, don't do your makeup like privately in your bedroom. They need to see the full spectrum to understand, you know, that everything is okay. And I think the same is true with your kids with feelings. Like, of course, I try, I don't, you know, let my kids see me have a meltdown, but they have seen me cry. Um, yeah. And I think that's important. And then they see me recover in real time in front of them. So like, I, I if, if it, on um, you know, the odd occasion, I do cry in front of them, I don't turn away from them. Like I let them see me cry. And then I let them see me recover. And know that, you know, that's what happens and knows that, you know, you can feel that way and you're still going to be okay. Um, and I think that full circle comes back to PTSD for me. It's like, I am a thousand percent confident with myself now that I can be taken to that dark place for maybe, you know, for me, it might be an hour and then I can pull myself back. And at the beginning of my journey, it would take me a week or, and then it was five days and it was two days. And now I can pull myself back sometimes in a good 20 minute turnaround. And to me, that's my mark of recovery.
0: Totally. That's super efficient too, by the way, but, and fun. but um, <laughs> well, talking about like, I was raised by like my, um, my parents were super chill as in, not super chill. They were perfect right? There was no waves of emotion. It was all very waspy, I guess. Whereas, and then that raised, I was, grew up with so much shame around my huge feelings. Um, So this house is definitely, all feelings are welcome. But like, I, I had a full brain snap the other night, they wouldn't eat their dinner. And I just, i cooked <laughs> three different dinners. No one was eating it. They were all blowing out. Oki was climbing and I it was the end of the day. It was like 6.30 at night. I worked all day and I was at my tether. And you know, when you're unloading the dishwasher and you're getting really huffy and puffy and they're at the table and I'm trying, you know, I'm making like a little temper tantrum by like, like making noises, like clunking the plates and opening the drawers and oh, like passive aggressive. These kids are six and three. Like, I don't know who this was for. And anyway, I grabbed, they they were like, no. And then Oki or one of them threw food to the dog and I grabbed a plate and I put it on the counter so hard that it smashed Into like a million pieces, and that stopped them, obviously. And I had been like, right, we need to eat our dinners. No one's getting any more snacks until we'd gone through that. Like TV's going off, blah, 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 blah. blah. And they're all just like amplifying, amplifying. And then I the smashed plate, and I was just like, they're looking at me, and I was like, Well, that was a bit of a mummy temper tantrum. (laughs) We all sort of had a laugh. And I could then, and I was mortified in my head. I'm like, oh my fucking God, I've just smashed a plate over them not eating Mm. their dinner. But we could have a conversation about how I was feeling so angry and I probably didn't need to handle it that way. But blah, 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 blah. And the rest of it. And that's quite silly. And they were like, huh, okay. And no plates have been smashed since, obviously. And, but, you know, I thought, well, at least they've seen that I can get really mad. I've got an edge they reached it and I'm totally human. And, you know, And also that, to
1: get discuss it and name it and, yeah. you know, apologize for it. If you feel like it needs to be something you need to apologize about, like a, I came totally, you know, when I was my kid's age and young, cause my mom has a history of depression and anxiety and we didn't understand it. And we probably were too young to, for it to be explained to us. But we certainly sensed it. And um, there was a lot of stuff that wasn't said in our house. And I think I'm trying my best, even though, of course, I make completely different mistakes, to just not have that kind of secrecy, emotional secrecy in our house. Um, and just to, to be as open as I think is appropriate for having two little teeny tiny kids mm-hmm. or three teeny tiny kids. Um, but I definitely have experienced from being a a child myself in a house with mental illness that, you know, hiding it is you, well, you're not hiding it. They know, first of all. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, showing the spectrum of emotion and discussing it and yeah, normalizing it is for me, I, the way that I hope, um, just take some of the fear out of it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, and
1: yeah, we're human too. That stuff happens.
0: Yeah. And now I'm down a plate. But <laughs> let that be a oh, reminder no, to you oh, <laughs> I Worst. know. I'm actually
1: literally trying to be, um I've become a bit of a shouter since COVID from my kids. Yeah. And I'm re- it does not make me feel good. And it's not even effective. They don't even it doesn't get the reaction I want. So yeah. I am on a bit of a two week um yelling cleanse right now just to nice. kind of take take the noise down. So we'll see how we go with that. Mainly because for a selfish reason. Um, I don't feel good. I always have that horrible, like, you know, emotional hangover every time I shout at them. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, it's not effective. It doesn't actually get them to do what I want them to do. Um, So, yeah, we will see how this goes. I will report back to you in two weeks.
0: (laughs) Like, yeah, I really would like to hear how that one goes because (laughs) I have definitely turned into a lot of a, like there's a lot more yelly, screamy vibe, but... When I heard Archer doing it to Oki, that was when I was like, "Okay, this is like the apple and the tree. We need to." I know. Pull I know. <laughs> everyone inside Again, voices. Again, it, it's
1: really. I'm like, I've got to, you know, walk the walk as well as talking the talk. Like, totally. I just need to, you know, pause, take a breath, splash some water in my face, you know, mm-hmm. walk into the other room. They're old enough to be left in a room on their own. I can walk into the other room, shut the door for the moment, take a breath, you know do that shit. And then that's sometimes all it takes. And you know, that is the point of my new podcast. It's like super quick, super short, you know, techniques for really, really busy people. Yes. (laughs) Um, Just to help us to actually go like, we don't need to like sit and meditate for 45 minutes every day to actually like feel like the best version of ourselves. This is what you can do to pull you back from that moment. Um, Without you know having to put aside huge great hours of your day to do it,
0: Amy. Thank you so much for joining us on here today. Where can everyone find you? Or like apart from the space, like where can everyone yeah. find you?
1: Follow me on Instagram um amy underscore malloy. That's basically all I do these days. I really have you know turned my back on the other social media stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, absolutely, reach out on um, Insta, and you can find me there.
0: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I know so many people are going to get a laugh and also, um, some really insightful, um, moments out of this and that whole, you are not alone aspect of it. Mm. I think you just normalize it and articulate, it, articulate these big feelings and these big and the labels and the conditions, um, in a way that we, you know, we can all relate to. And yeah, it just makes it way less scary. So thank you, Amy. No worries, lovely to chat.